1: guys, and welcome to the Moms of Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing well. I had every intention this week to open the show with the sound of jingle bells, but um, I didn't have any <gasps> jingle bells, and I wasn't fast enough at acquiring jingle bells to make that <laughs> happen. So just <laughs> pretend like you hear jingles because you've got
0: a couple more weeks I think you've put it out there in the universe and now you have to do it I will be expecting uh jingle bells next week that would be exciting are you excited Thanksgiving's over it's your favorite time of year we're heading into Christmas
1: I am yes I am excited that Thanksgiving is behind us it's a it's you know what? Thanksgiving is great. It's fun. It's great to see everybody that you love, but it's a lot of work, I feel like. And then I saw a meme this weekend and it said something like, Why does everybody get so dressed up for Thanksgiving? Like we like no one goes anywhere. You just get right. dressed up to just be looking great around room. the house. Yeah, like to be in the mm-hmm. kitchen all day. Like and it was so funny, but I'm like, Yeah, but it's just all those things that we do for just one meal, you know, one evening yeah. of of enjoyment with family and everything. So it's a lot of work. But yeah, we had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you did too. I know you took a little yeah. trip just before Thanksgiving. So I did. Yeah. yeah.
0: North Georgia. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I loved it. Super miss it. Can't wait to go again next year. It's our favorite little thing to do. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then not on Thanksgiving. So we were home for Thanksgiving and that was nice and blah blah blah. And like you're saying, like it's one day. So I don't really get into anything for Thanksgiving. I'm just like I'm here to eat. Let's do that and move along and get to the next
1: holiday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah, but the next holiday is right around the corner. As you said, now this episode comes out. We're officially in December, which is very crazy and exciting. I don't know. It's not exciting. I guess it's exciting. It's exciting if you like the month of December or the right. end of the year If you don't, yeah.
0: this is a terrible, <laughs> terrible announcement for you. December is here.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I'm excited about it, ready to go full speed ahead into um, my actual favorite time of year, which is- Yeah, there
0: you go. The December,
1: December mm-hmm. is a time of year, and it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, so we'll get right into the episode for this week. On the evening of February 9th, 1991, officers responded to the scene of a tragic crime. A 34-year-old Detroit-area news anchor was found shot to death outside of the farmhouse that she shared with her husband and two young children. Diane King looked to have just been arriving home when she was shot just outside of her Jeep. Her body was found about two feet away from the left rear tire, and she was laying on her back with her legs folded under her at the knees and her arms extended over her head. Her only visible injury was a small amount of blood coming from her nose. But when EMTs arrived and cut off Diane's sweatshirt, they saw that she had actually been shot twice, once in the heart and once in the groin area. Her death was quick, but not instant. It's believed that she died within about three minutes of being shot. Inside the Jeep were Diane's two very young children, still strapped into their car seats and unharmed, albeit cold and terrified. And the officers on the scene heard a man yelling from the front porch for someone to help his wife. The man turned out to be Brad King, Diane's husband. And when he told police that Diane, who was a well-known TV personality, had been dealing with a stalker lately, they wondered whether her death was the work of an obsessed fan. But would the evidence point to that or to something else?
0: Diane Marlar was a Detroit native born on April 4, 1956, to parents Frida and Herbert. Diane was one of four siblings, and she was a member of the Mohawk Nation. Her father passed away when she was just 10 years old, and her mom later remarried a man named Royal Newton, and Diane actually eventually changed her last name to Newton as well. She graduated from Wayne State University with a bachelor's in communications and then spent some time serving in the Army Signal Corps before settling into a career as a research assistant for a Denver public TV station. Later on, she would become a news anchor. In 1984, Diane married a recently retired police officer named Brad King. Brad was just 10 years older than Diane, but he wasn't like old, old. So when we say retired, we mean retired from policing, not like retired
1: for life and on his way down the hill. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you're on the way up the hill when you hit retirement, though. (laughs) Oh, I'm thinking like, uh, you know, over the hill. Over the hill. yeah, Yeah, yeah. Things are getting easier for you. Yeah, maybe. I don't know what I was thinking. I I don't know where I was going.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry for all of our listeners over the age of 40 because I think I just insulted you. (laughs) I'm almost there, so don't worry. So from 1987 to 1989, Diane worked as a news anchor for KJCT-TV in Grand Junction, Colorado. In March of 1998, Diane and Brad welcomed their first child, a boy that they named Marler, which was actually Diane's maiden name. Shortly after that, Diane was offered a position as a morning news anchor for a station in Battle Creek, Michigan, and she accepted the job. The young family moved from Denver to the small town of Marshall, Michigan. Marshall, Michigan is between Detroit and Chicago, just off the interstate. And when the couple lived there, they rented a farmhouse with a barn and their family really blossomed. In addition to being a news anchor, Diane was also a producer and anchor for 41 News Primetime, which was the documentary unit for the station. Diane was skilled at researching topics, and she had the perfect voice and appearance for documentary television. According to Forensic Files Now, Diane was highly regarded in the industry and in the community. She volunteered her free time working with disadvantaged children and serving others at a local soup kitchen. As for Brad, he began teaching criminal justice part-time in the fall of 1989 at Western Michigan University. Diane shortly became pregnant with their second child, a daughter named Kateri, who was born in November of 1990. Although both Brad and Diane were working parents, it was really Diane's career and her salary that kept the family living a comfortable life. And the news anchor career came with other perks too. The company actually paid for them to do an annual rafting trip where anchors would often be able to meet and hang out with celebrities. That's pretty cool. Yeah. How do we get involved in that one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I want to go rafting with celebrities because I feel like there's a lot of screaming involved and that's not a good look (laughs) for me, but
1: I could do it. I could do it. During the summer of 1990, while Diane was well into her second pregnancy, she started having issues with this admirer, or really just a viewer who was actually more of a stalker than an admirer. This person would call the station directly numerous times and would say that they were looking for Diane. At first, she actually thought that it might be her husband Brad just playing a sick joke on her, but the calls continued, and eventually she thought, you know, it can't be him. It has to actually just be some strange person. When this guy would call, he would claim that he wanted to learn about the TV and the news business and would try and persuade Diane to go to lunch with him. On October 20th, 1990, Diane found a threatening note in her mailbox, of course, after receiving these, you know, invites to lunch and these, you know, harassing phone calls. And she, of course, is trying to just ignore them. And then she gets this threatening note in her mailbox that was not handwritten. The message was spelled out with cutouts of like magazine letters and then pasted on there. So you kind of... you. I think everybody can kind of picture what I'm saying. If you like cut out every letter from a magazine and you pasted it together to make a sentence of your own, that's what this was.
0: If you've watched any movie where a ransom has taken place in the 1980s or 1990s, you know exactly what this is. This is like exactly what they would do. Right. Everybody would cut out the little letters and glue them. And that's how you sent your ransom request, right. I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. So this note said, you should have gone to lunch with me. So Diane sees this and obviously she's terrified because this means that her stalker not only of course knows where she works, she's on TV, but now he also knows where she lives. And she was really hysterical over this, just absolutely terrified as I think anybody would be. Yeah. But her husband Brad didn't share the concern with her. He didn't really think this was that big of a deal. He kind of brushed it off as nothing and told Diane, you know, everything's going to be fine. Diane informed her management about this harassment and they wondered whether or not the investigative stories that Diane had been working on may have something to do with this. They actually put her work on hold in one of the cases that she was working on and they notified the police so that they could kind of look into it. I guess she was working on a story that may have been may have upset the people that were involved and so they were like don't work on this one we're gonna investigate and look into it and just make sure
0: yeah that's so sad for her though right because it is she's really sad. She's working so hard and this may have been, you know, some big thing for her. And then because of this other person, now she has to live in not only live in fear, but also like take away the work that she was really invested in doing.
1: For sure, and I think it's so great that her job really took her seriously and helped her, yes. you know, take steps to try and find out, you know, it, at least whatever they could do, they were trying to do, and I think that's really nice because you know they didn't have to like help her figure out who right. was harassing her. They understood that because of the nature of work that it could have something to do with that. So I thought that was really yeah nice that they helped her.
0: It seems like they responded in the way you would hope, but her husband, on the other hand, right. was absolutely not interested, which blows my mind. That would. Absolutely make me enraged. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's terrifying. It's terrifying. So the news station also hired additional security to be around when Diane was there. And Brad installed more lights around the family home. Diane was really paranoid about the possibility that this person was out there watching her every move. And she took many different precautions to keep herself safe. When she would get home from work each day, she would actually stay in her car unless she could actually see her husband, Brad. And if he wasn't home, she would drive around her house and look in all the windows before she would even go inside. Wow. Just really, really sad. And we're going to get into a lot more of this story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors.
0: The perfect piece of jewelry can elevate any outfit, but finding the perfect piece can sometimes be a little tricky, until Ana Luisa Jewelry. And Ana Luisa doesn't just make incredibly beautiful jewelry, but they create pieces with a beautiful story from beginning to end, starting with recycled materials whenever possible, as well as transparent business practices and small batches that are kind to the earth.
1: There is truly nothing like Ana Luisa. I recently received a beautiful matching set my Elise pendant and Elise earrings, and they've quickly become my favorite pieces to wear when I want to add a touch of class to my outfit. The necklace is dainty and simple, but the sparkle is eye-catching enough to draw attention. And I've mentioned before that I have tons of ear piercings, and my Elise earrings from Ana Luisa are the perfect addition to my blinged-out lobes. These pieces make me look and feel like I am truly 30, flirty, and thriving.
0: Anna Luisa, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, is all about fair pricing, which is why their jewelry starts at just $39 with new collections released each and every Friday, so you'll always find something new to fall in love with. Plus, when you go to shop.analuisa.com slash moms, you'll get 10% off their already amazing prices. We absolutely recommend checking out Ana Luisa, shop.analuisa.com moms. That's Ana Luisa spelled A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. We love them. Their pieces start at $39 and they are currently running the biggest sale of the year. You can get 20% off if you go on shop.analuisa.com moms. Being a mom is stressful and sometimes the stress gets to you. As a mom, sometimes I need a little help refocusing when I'm feeling out of sorts or anxious, which is why I really love the Mama Zen app, the number one mindful parenting app. When I'm feeling anxious or irritable or stressed, I can simply fire up my app and listen to a mind power session like stress less about the mess, which is something I've listened to several times because it turns out the mess is not going to get any better. But thanks to the Mama Zen app, the way I approach it now is. If you're a mom, you need
1: Mama Zen. Mama Zen is focused on the emotional and mental well-being of moms, which is something we've all neglected since our little ones came into this world. Sometimes just wanting to take the time for yourself for your emotional and mental well-being makes you feel guilty. Good news. There are several Mind Power sessions all about releasing you from mom guilt. And I love that Mama Zen is made for moms in all stages of parenthood, from pregnancy to older kids and everything in between.
0: To get started, simply download the app, answer questions on how you're feeling and what you're struggling with, and boom, you have a personalized program that fits your unique motherhood journey. You simply pop in a headphone and listen to the Mind Power sessions, which are just 2 to 18 minutes, and there's even emergency sessions that you can use when you feel like you really might lose your cool. Over Thanksgiving, I listened to one that was just a four-minute de-stressor.
1: I just needed to recenter and refocus, and it was exactly what I needed. We really want you to try the Mama Zen app and see for yourself how much better you can feel as a mom. Go to your app store and download Mama Zen today. That's M-A-M-A-Z-E-N. Right now, you can use promo code MOMS. That code will unlock your 30-day free trial, so you can try Mama Zen for yourself and see how much better and happier you can feel as a mom. They are the number one mindful parenting app for a good reason. We cannot wait for you to try it. Use it before you lose it. And now back to the episode.
0: So before the break, we were talking about Diane King, who is this news anchor who found out that she was really being stalked by someone Her company had decided to take extra precautions. She was taking extra precautions, but she was really scared to death about everything going on, as one would be. If you think somebody knows your schedule, knows where you live, you know, is calling you, is writing letters, you're going to be scared. And she was. So a few months passed with Diane living in fear for her life before that very fear became a tragic reality. On February 7th, 1991, Diane and her two small children left for Detroit to spend a couple of days with her family. The plan was for Diane to return home on February 9th, but the two kids were going to stay with her mom for a few days. But then the baby Kateri, who was only about three months old at the time, got sick. So Diane ended up taking both of the kids with her when she left her mom's house on the 9th. Diane and the kids pulled away to head home and her mom called Brad to let him know that Diane was on the way and to keep an eye out for her. But just a short time later, at about 6.30 that evening, Brad was calling 911 and reporting that he had found his wife, Diane, in the gravel driveway of their farmhouse. During this call, Brad doesn't say whether or not Diane was dead or alive, but police and EMTs were dispatched to the scene quickly. Officers arrived and could hear the sound of a baby crying coming from the Jeep Wagoneer that Diane's body lay next to. Despite the fact that it was February in Michigan, which I can't imagine many places being any colder than that... Brad had evidently not even considered getting the kids out of their car seats and into a warmer environment. He was hanging out on the porch at a distance yelling for someone to quote help her help my wife. Strangely Brad was dressed in camo when police arrived which he explained away by saying that he'd just been walking in the fields near some hay bales on the property and when he returned to the house that's whenever he found his wife in the driveway. He alleged that he had heard the shots while he was walking back up to his house, but since they lived in the country, he just assumed the shots were from, you know, hunters nearby. So Brad mentioned to police that Diane had been having some problems with this stalker in the recent months and suggested that they look into that now in light of her murder. As it always is when someone reports finding their spouse murdered, Brad's story seemed a little suspicious. Police walked around the property and even inspected the area near the hay bales that Brad had claimed to be walking around that day, and they didn't see any footprints there that would indicate he had just been walking out there. But of course, an investigation would need to take place before police could act on any of their suspicions.
1: As they began their investigation around the property, they noticed a broken window as well as a shell casing in the loft of the barn, which was about 70 feet away from the driveway where Diane's body was found. This led the investigators to believe that she had been shot from the barn. They also wondered why the family's dog, who was a Doberman Pinscher, hadn't tried to attack whoever went into the barn. Two days after the murder, officers enlisted the help of a canine named Travis. It was a German shepherd, and he led the police from the loft and then into the woods behind the King's farmhouse to a nearby creek bed, where the investigators ultimately found a .22 caliber Scoremaster rifle. This weapon would later be linked to the shell casing that was found in the barn, but unfortunately, it couldn't be matched to the gun that was used to kill Diane because the bullets that were taken from her body were too deformed to be able to analyze. It wasn't long before the police figured out that Brad was actually known to own this exact same rifle that they just found in the creek bed, but when they confronted him about it, he claimed that he didn't own any rifles and all he had was a shotgun. He told them that he used to have a 22 caliber rifle, but he sold that back in 1984. But multiple people, possibly as many as seven different people, told the police that this was a lie, and they had personally seen Brad with the rifle in the recent past. The police believed these witnesses and thought they were telling the truth. They also found 22 caliber shells and a 22 cleaning kit in Brad's gun cabinet, which Obviously, why would you have those things if you don't own a .22 caliber weapon weapon at the time, you know? So they also found boot prints near where the officers recovered the rifle, and they matched a pair of boots that Brad owned to those boot prints. Travis, the canine, led the police back to the driveway where Diane's body had been laying, and that's when the dog lost the scent. The investigators concluded that a potential theory they could be working with was that the killer shot Diane from the loft in the barn and then walked up to her body in the driveway and shot her the second time and then went to the creek to dispose of the gun.
0: Wow. Living in a small town like Marshall can have many benefits, and one of them is that there's a pretty low crime rate in places like Marshall. Murders are very rare, so the murder of a local news anchor was enough to shake up the whole town. Her death was huge news. And because Diane was herself in the news industry, it was her own coworkers and friends that were reporting on this story. I can't imagine how difficult that would be talking about your friend, you know, and the facts of the case day in and day out and missing your friend, you know? Yeah. So interestingly, most people who spoke about Diane really did so in a positive light. Almost everyone had nothing but good things to say about her, except for this one person in particular. It was her former boss at the Grand Junction, Colorado station. His name was Mike Moran, and he told the Battle Creek Inquirer that Diane was, quote, abrasive and pushy, end quote, and that she was domineering towards her husband, Brad. He was subsequently fired for making these statements, but Mike will come up again. As for her husband, Brad, he actually spoke of Diane's death in a very matter-of-fact manner, and officers really felt like it seemed like Brad wasn't very upset at all. Brad really asserted that his history as a police officer had taught him how to always keep his emotions under control, especially when talking about a crime. So that's his reason for why he wasn't, you know, a blubbering mess on the day of Diane's murder or whenever he's talking to police or talking to the media. And so police continue their investigation and rumors start swirling that Diane had been having an affair with this prominent local businessman and that he was the one that killed her. This was not true, however, and many people called the police station asking about it so much so that police had to issue an official statement saying this is just a rumor. She was not having this affair and this person did not kill her. Yeah. And there are other theories as well that this alleged stalker of Diane's could have been her murderer. And lastly, there were, of course, rumors that it was none other than Brad who had killed his own wife. What the locals didn't know was that police were already really suspicious of Brad themselves. They were pretty sure he had done this, and as such, he was the main focus of their investigation. But it would still be quite some time before any charges were brought in this case.
1: Over the next year, officials learned of several events within Brad and Diane's marriage that made them even more suspicious of him and the role that he may have played in the shooting. Shortly before Diane was killed, she apparently told Brad that she wanted to take a step back from her career and spend some time at home with the kids for a while. The baby was just three months old, and their firstborn was only three years old, and Diane really just had this desire to be a present mom. However, Brad was no fan of this idea. Keep in mind, he'd been working part-time while Diane was the breadwinner for years, and he didn't really want to change that situation for himself. Unbeknownst to Diane, Brad had taken up some new hobbies in all of his free time while she was at work. He was a frequent flyer at the local college frat house where he partied with college kids and he also would go to this bar where there were students and it was just a known hangout spot for the college kids to go and drink. As a result of these party escapades, Brad found himself in not one but two affairs with college students that are known about. He could have been having more than this, more affairs than this. But Brad told one of these women named Anne that he was separated from his wife and that he had custody of his son. And he also told her that Diane had frozen their bank account, basically saying like, this is such a you know bad situation between me and right. my alleged ex-wife. Basically, we don't speak, you know, don't speak of her kind of thing. I kind of get that impression that that's what he was kind of trying to do to just be like, oh, it's really bad. Don't ask questions, right. you know, kind of thing. But that was his story. So Anne said that she even went to Brad and Diane's house once when Diane was out of town. So she had been you know, in this relationship. She's even been in their home. Whoa. So he was definitely up to no good. Not only was Brad having these affairs, but the police also learned that he even planned a date with one of his girlfriends for the day after Diane was murdered. And they found out that he'd been with another woman on the night that his daughter was born. One of Diane's closest friends actually suspected that Brad was having an affair during her pregnancy, and the same friend said that Diane had actually confided in her that Brad, you know, they were having a really rough time in their marriage. Brad no longer wanted to be intimate with her, and things were just really, really tense in their house.
0: Man. Police also learned in the investigation that Brad previously reported an attempted break-in on December 12th, 1990 evidently diane was at her family's home when this happened and brad called to tell her you know don't come home tonight but diane later tells her co-workers that she didn't believe that brad was telling the truth she thought he made up the whole thing to scare her so she thinks her husband is pretending there's a break-in she also thinks her husband at least originally could have been making these stalker phone calls which brad like right what's going on here this is I can't imagine thinking my husband would do either of those things. Like no, that's scary. It's
1: really scary, and just to think, it's like how how little trust did she have in him? Yeah, if none. she immediately was like, "Oh, this is probably just my husband," like that would be the last person that I would suspect of doing right. Things.
0: Oof. Yeah, that's just that's it's sad, though, that that's how she had to think. Furthermore, one of the neighbors on the street told the police that he had found a 22 caliber scoremaster rifle, which was the exact same kind that they found in the creek in the attic whenever he moved in. So the idea is like that this could have been after the murder that it was found there. But forensic testing showed that the gun in the neighbor's attic was not a match to the murder weapon. So police theorized, though, that Brad could have planted this gun there to throw the police off. So in the week of Diane's death, while police were still investigating the case, Brad was actually fired from his teaching position after, quote, being unable to meet his class on two occasions. Basically, no call, no show, but you're the professor, and that's yeah. not very cool. Although I think the rule is like you can leave after 15 minutes, so I'm pretty sure his class didn't mind. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure the university wasn't thrilled.
1: Well, I mean, of course, people are paying for these classes, so yeah, yeah you can't just um, not show up to teach the class that people mm. have paid for.
0: <laughs> no, not, not a great look. So, after losing his job, Brad took the two young kids and moved back to Denver because he was really tired of being questioned by the police. Man, so tough. I feel so bad for this guy. Right? So, unfortunately for Brad, at the start of the new year, 1992, the county prosecutor finally felt like there was enough evidence for a conviction. And on January 31st, Brad was finally arrested and charged with his wife's murder. A judge ordered that custody of the children be split between both sets of grandparents. And we still have so much more to get into in this story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. It's getting cold around the country and even here in Florida, so it's the perfect time to participate in my favorite clothing style. Layering. The more layers, the better. And Faraday has the perfect clothes for layering. Faraday is a family run brand and they make high quality, timeless clothing, but with modern design and functionality.
1: It's no secret that fall is my favorite time of year and I love getting out and enjoying it. Whether I'm taking walks or building a fire with my family, I love a good flannel when the air is cooler. And Faraday brand really took it a step further with their legend sweater shirt, available in 14 colors, many of which are plaid and have that classic flannel look, but then it's also a sweater. And if you've listened to our show at all, you know we love sweaters around here. I got the tan and charcoal buffalo check pattern, and I can't get over how cute it looks with anything and everything, from leggings to jeans to skirts. And if you're someone who really appreciates the feel of buttery, soft clothing, look no further. This is the softest shirt I have ever owned. It's become a staple in my fall wardrobe this season.
0: Verity is a high-quality brand, so much so that they have a lifetime guarantee of quality. That means that they will replace or fix your clothes forever, no matter what. And if somehow that's not enough great news for you, Farity is giving Moms and Murder listeners 20% off.
1: Farity makes the perfect clothes for layering. Stock up on all your fall essentials now. Head to faritybrand.com moms and use code moms at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. That's code moms at Farity, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y-B-R-A-N-D.com moms for 20% off. There's never been a better time to take care of yourself than now. Whether something in your life is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, the licensed professional therapists with BetterHelp want to help you become the best you this year. BetterHelp is professional counseling that you can do right from the comfort of your home through weekly video or phone sessions.
0: I've used BetterHelp over the past few years, and I can't tell you what a relief it is just to get all my thoughts out to a professional without ever having to leave the house. I deal with anxiety and depression and have most of my adult life, so just having someone I can talk through with different scenarios or those immediate problems that just pop up in life has really been invaluable, especially this last year.
1: Of course, anything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And best of all, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is also available. Whether you're struggling with family issues, sleep, stress, or more, BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating with them in under 24 hours.
0: In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com moms. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com moms. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home?
1: Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply.
0: Now back to the episode.
1: So before the break, we were talking about the murder of Diane King, and the investigators have now come to the conclusion that her husband Brad was responsible for this murder, and they have brought charges on him finally. Although prosecutors believed wholeheartedly that Brad was the one responsible for Diane's murder, things still did get a little bit confusing after he was arrested. Remember the guy that we talked about earlier, Diane's former boss in Colorado named Mike Moran? He was the only person who said negative things about Diane after she died, and he was even fired for her statements to the effect that Diane was an aggressor in her marriage to Brad. Well, after Brad was arrested, Mike popped up again he told reporters that Brad was, quote, a pretty mild guy and he was always in a good mood. Mike had nothing but great things to say about Brad. He said that he had a great sense of humor and a very pleasant demeanor and that he was, quote, the last guy you'd expect to be accused of killing his wife, which I don't understand this. What does this guy have? What is his deal? Why is he coming out all of a sudden and speaking to Brad's defense? It's just is so weird. It's to weird, me. yeah, and it's a former boss of hers. It just screams of like there was some kind of professional drama between them, and he. I don't know. It just seems odd to me that he's like choosing to go out of his way to like say these kind of things to the media.
0: And he's already been fired for doing this. Exactly so to keep going, it's like you got to learn maybe to ixnay on the achingte. This is right, a lot, right?
1: Bud. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he said that Brad and Diane seemed like a great match because he was so submissive and Diane was so goal-oriented, which I just don't really understand any of that. How, okay, <laughs>
0: Yeah, those are, I don't know. I, I don't know how those two go together. Yeah, I don't get not. it. I don't yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he also said that Diane wore the pants in the family and very much dominated Brad in every way, which Mike said probably led to a lot of pent-up anger on Brad's part. This is his explanation for what could have happened, which I don't like his explanation. (laughs) Well,
0: and I thought he said that he couldn't have ever killed his wife, so that doesn't even really make sense. Right.
1: But Mike did have one nice thing to say about Diane. He said that she was a great reporter. But this kind of was also a backhanded compliment because he then said that she would just go so far to tell these stories that she told and those qualities, you know, her ambition and her drive, I guess, those qualities caused issues in her personal relationships like her marriage. And he said that Diane really made her career first and made Brad second to her career. How did these
0: two know each other? This is bizarre (laughs) that this is your wife's Ex-boss
1: that's talking about this? That's, right, like they what? were just best friends or something? Besties, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And there was quite a bit of evidence that pointed to Brad, but there was actually several people who said they couldn't imagine him killing Diane. There were friends and co-workers that said Brad had two sides. One was fun-loving and the other was just quiet. One of Diane's friends claimed that Brad was withdrawn and would commonly take off for long periods of time just to be alone. So at his preliminary hearing, Brad seemed really bored and just unfazed by this whole process. He was sent to jail while he awaited his trial. Diane's parents eventually filed for full custody of her children, which Brad actually fought them on. Even though he was behind bars, he, of course, hasn't gone to trial yet, so he hasn't been convicted of any crime, and he wanted to retain custody of his kids, but Alas, temporary custody was given to Diane's parents and later on, spoiler alert, they were awarded full custody.
0: Good. Brad's trial finally began on November 3rd, 1992. The prosecution theorized that Brad killed his wife due to their marital problems and because he was upset that she wanted him to get a job while she stayed at home. Wow. They said that Diane had at least $54,000 in life insurance payouts that would be going to Brad if she died. The story they told the jury was that on the day of the murder, Brad hung out in the loft of the barn and waited until Diane pulled into the driveway. He did not know, however, that Diane was going to be coming home with the two kids in the car because that plan, if you remember, was for the kids to stay at Diane's mom's house and for Diane to be coming home alone that evening. Since Diane had been fearful about this possible stalker, it was her routine to stay inside her car until she saw Brad and felt safe getting out. On this evening, prosecutors said that when Diane got out of her car, Brad immediately shot her, causing her to fall to the ground. He then walked up to her and shot her again, still not realizing that the kids were in the car. And so when he did realize that the kids were in the car, it really threw a wrench in his whole plan. So he goes into the woods, gets rid of the gun, and calls 911. The prosecution believed that he couldn't leave her there and wait for someone else to find her since he knew that the kids were in the car in the middle of Michigan winter. So they said that Brad put the 22 caliber rifle in the neighbor's attic as part of his plan to send the police in the wrong direction and keep the heat off of himself. Additionally, prosecutors said that Brad was behind the stalking that Diane was dealing with. It was really him all along, which is infuriating because she always suspected him initially and then was like, no, I guess not. You know, it's not him, but she was right all along.
1: But how sick is that, that he did that so to sick. her and she was living her life for all that time thinking that she was in, I mean, she was in danger because she was yeah. with this man, but she wasn't in the danger that she thought she was, you know, and she was so scared and wouldn't even get out of her car at that's home as unless she saw him me. and he was responsible for all of it. And that's just- yep just awful. It's just one of the worst things you can do to a person is to do that kind of a mind game.
0: Yeah. No, that's the worst part to me is that she she would wait for him to make sure she was safe. And then he's the one that's, yeah, Yeah. I can't get beyond that. So they said that he was also behind that letter that Diane had received and that, they thought that it was written in cutout letters because, obviously, Diane would recognize his handwriting. He knew how much this would absolutely scare Diane, which is why he did it. They pointed out that a stranger or an obsessed fan would not likely have been responsible for this murder either because they wouldn't know Diane's exact schedule the way that Brad would. Plus, Diane, as we said, never got out of the car without seeing Brad, so they said they could safely assume that the only reason she got out of her car was because she did see her husband, meaning that he must have been the one to shoot her, too. Brad never checked to see if Diane was alive after he allegedly found her that night in the driveway, and he never told the 911 operator that she was dead, either.
1: Brad's defense was simply that he didn't do it. They really provided no evidence that suggested anyone else did it and had no answers as to who else could have done it. But then again, neither did the prosecution. And that's why it took so long to bring charges against Brad in the first place. All of the evidence against him was circumstantial and there were no witnesses to the crime itself other than two children who I assume can't talk. Um, So it was hard to prove that Brad was or was not the killer. They only have the circumstantial evidence to go on. The defense explained that Brad decided to take a walk while he waited for Diane to get home from Detroit, but that when he got back to the house and realized that she'd been shot, he ran inside to call 911, and since the dispatcher told Brad not to go near Diane, that's why he stayed inside and left the kids in the car. They theorized that Diane's crazy fan or admirer, stalker, what have you, killed her, or that possibly it was just a burglary gone wrong, since they did find that broken window after all, but... As we know, you know, Brad is capable of doing a lot of things. So, of course, he broke the window to throw the police off. You know, they think he planted a gun in someone else's house. Of course, he broke the window in his own house.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's like the least complicated thing he did in this entire situation. My goodness.
1: Right. Exactly. So Brad's lawyers painted him as a victim that everybody just had it out for. But after deliberating for 15 hours, the jury saw through all of it, and they finally reached their verdict. Brad was found guilty of first-degree murder and using a firearm in the commission of a felony. When his fate was announced, Brad reportedly went pale and had to grab a hold of the table. On January 6, 1993, Brad was sentenced to life in prison without the chance for parole, as well as two years for the felony firearms convictions. When he was given the chance to speak, Brad told the judge that he felt there was a conspiracy to convict him. He told the judge that he had nothing but contempt for the judge, which I'm sure the judge just laughed and laughed and said, "Okay, thank you. (laughs) Right. Congratulations. Let's (laughs) keep going. Yeah. So Brad, of course, appealed his sentence on multiple grounds, including that he should have been allowed to have a change of venue for his trial due to all of the pretrial publicity, which... It does happen in some that cases. makes sense. Yeah, where they'll say, hey, this has been way too publicized. We have to move the trial somewhere else. And he also said that Diane's family should not have been allowed to wear buttons with her picture on it in the courtroom and that the prosecutors never should have brought up his affairs that he was having with students, which you really have some nerve saying that that doesn't belong in the trial in this case.
0: Right. In the pictures, the you know, buttons with her picture – I'm sorry, you don't have a case if that can swing the jury if they're like, oh, my gosh, I saw her parents wearing her picture. Right. He must be guilty. That doesn't make any
1: sense. No, exactly. But three years later, he had to wait quite a while to get an answer from the appeals court. And that answer was no. His appeal was denied. So Brad is currently serving his sentence in Thumb Correctional Facility in Lapeer, Michigan. He's 74 years old and not eligible for parole. There's a uh, book about this case that was written by an author named Lowell Caulfield, and she believes that Brad thought he could pull off this murder due to his background as a police officer, and he also was naive enough to think that the small-town police officers in the area would not be bright enough to solve the murder, so he thought, like, hey, I have this same knowledge these guys have. I can outsmart them. That's what the author of this book thinks. But yeah, if you want more information about this case, you can check out that book as well. So this was a very interesting story to me. I feel like he definitely was guilty.
0: Yeah, sometimes I I'm like, you know, a jury found them guilty, so they must have more evidence than we'd have or, you know, whatever. In this story I'm like, uh yeah, no, this guy this guy was the worst. (laughs) Yeah, Just to use somebody's fear like that. So he basically held her hostage for months ahead of this to, you know, tortured her before this. And then she looks to him as the person to protect her. And he's the one that turns on her. I just, what? It just makes me all kinds of angry. And then to have his kids in the car and like, I don't know. It does make sense the prosecution's whole theory that like he didn't know the kids were in the car or things might have happened differently or whatever, but man, it just I just never terrible.
1: understand like these cases like this. I-, I never understand cases like this, period. Full stop sure. on that. But you know, but these ones where a husband is killing his wife who had and they have these young children, their baby was three months old. So like I don't know. Like what was his plan like he was just going to go on and just raise these kids alone without her like he didn't strike exactly. me as the kind of guy who wanted to ha- be saddled with two kids by himself
0: right so no. it
1: just makes you wonder like what was his plan like i i just i ca- i just can't imagine somebody coming to the conclusion that they need to shoot the mother of their babies like that's just yeah I,
0: I, yeah it doesn't ever make any sense yeah i that baby was i mean both of them were so young just man what a terrible monster yeah (laughs) yeah, absolutely there's nothing else to say about that but yeah oh goodness but it seems like people really love diane and that she was a really hard worker and a great mom and just you know i don't know It's just it's super unfortunate super sad
1: all right melissa on that note are we ready to turn the page and move on to last thing before we go you know it let's do it all righty melissa why don't you tell us what we're doing this week
0: Mandy, in a game that people have watched on television by a man named, well, different people, but most notably now, Steve Harvey. We are playing, oh, crap, what's it called? We're Family playing Feud. Family Feud, but just us. So um <laughs> we uh, both picked out five, I think, five things, right, from different yes. lists. We're going to ask each other, give each other the subject. Do you want to do this as a competition and do it by points or no?
1: Um Yeah, I'm competitive. Okay perfect
0: <laughs> i have a piece of paper so should we give uh let's see how it goes let's do you want to give like your top two guesses and we'll add up the points and see how it goes top two top three i can i start it i'll kick yes. it off for you yes okay so i'm going to give you the the subject name something mrs claus might leave the north pole to get away from give me your top two answers santa santa <laughs> Santa, okay. (laughs) Santa is the number two thing, and that's 31 points you've just received, Mandy.
1: Okay, and I think she also wants to get away from elves.
0: Ooh, annoying elves. That is 29 (laughs) points in the third one. The number
1: one would be snow in the cold, and the fourth is reindeer. Did not know
0: that Mrs. Claus had it out for the
1: reindeer, but she does. She, like, doesn't like anything about being Mrs. Claus, apparently. (laughs) No, all the Claus
0: things, she's out. So 60 points after round one, Mandy my turn awesome okay give them to me okay
1: all right if you could go to the land of oz what would you ask the wizard for a brain okay that's seven points that's it yeah dang it money yes that is a whopping 37 points for you
0: all right so 37 points well you're killing me 60 points okay Mandy, uh let's see. Name something that's hard to do with your eyes open. Name two things. Sneeze. All right, 16 points for you.
1: <laughs> um drive.
0: <laughs> you know what? No, actually no, that's not it. That's swim and dive. Um number 1 is sleep dream. Can't do that with your eyes open. True. I mean some people points. can. You skip that one pretty hard. Uh kiss, swim and dive. So, yeah.
1: But not sneeze. I mean,
0: sneeze was number two. It was sixteen points. You got Aww. sixteen points. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, that was not. It's that's right. not
1: a very good one. Okay. Next for you. Okay, name something that grows faster than you want it to. Okay. Hair. Yes, that's number one. That's forty-eight points. Woo-hoo. What about weeds? Yes. That's number two. Melissa.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> that's okay, good. I needed that. All right. So I'm I'm back in it. 99 to 76. Okay. Let me give you, how about two more? Um, give me a word that rhymes with buckle. Knuckle. Yes. 43 points. Good job. Chuckle. Good. And do you want to give any more just for funsies? I just want to see um, if you come up with one of these. Suckle. It is. That's number two. That one was very upsetting for me and the whole reason I picked it.
1: <laughs> okay, next one. Okay, here we go. Name something specific about Mickey Mouse that other mice might make fun of. Ooh, I hate it. Um,
0: <laughs> his Let's name. Just
1: trash Mickey. That's what we're doing yeah. here. <laughs> All right, his name and his shoes. The name, well, name is not on the list. Huge feet is on the list.
0: <laughs> I would like that one. It's only I want three that one points. Okay, I'm taking it though.
1: Okay, but that's it. The other one was not. But the number one thing is gigantic ears. I think that's a little. Oh wait, what I feel was your like first it's thing? Part of his, Um, his name. Oh no, name's not on there. The other popular one was his voice or his laugh, and then also clothes and gloves. The fact that he wears clothes. Wow. Yeah, we're just
0: bullying Mickey I Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll do this last one. Um, Mandy, tell me a nickname that starts that someone gives their lover that starts with the word sugar. Sugar mama. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Not on there. What? Yeah. Sugar pie Who's does that. Sugar pie is number one with twenty-seven points. The others were sugar bear, sugar baby, sugar daddy. Oh. Sugar plum and if you called me this i would slap you sugar lips <laughs>
1: <laughs> sugar lips was going to be my next guess what how did that get on your list Those I don't are,
0: know. that's that's awful know. okay go ahead okay you've already beat me
1: oh have i mhm congrats okay you're probably going to do great on this one
0: okay oh wait i might have gotten that one sorry i added it to the wrong side so no but you're still going <laughs> to beat me go okay. ahead
1: <laughs> okay name a common candy bar component so okay Chocolate, obviously, thirty-six points. Caramel, uh, yeah, that's the third one. That's uh, fifteen. Was it peanuts? Peanuts was second, yes, Dang and it. then caramel was third. Almonds, nougat, and coconut were the last ones.
0: Oh, peanuts! There, it's my arch nemesis. Um, <laughs> good game. You killed me, actually, in this game. So that was fun. Um, I think um, I liked it. Yeah, that was fun. that's fine. it. Good, good, because I run out of ideas, so that works
1: great. All right. Perfect. Well, I think that's it for this week then, guys. We are out of here. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. New story. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast.
0: Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so
1: much.